Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Joined by my beloved colleague, Brian Hines. Uh, it's a bit of a uh, therapy session today. Everybody get on the couch. We'll listen to your problems. Try to talk you off the ledge after, if you want to call it the Dallas debacle, the disaster in Dallas, the whatever name you want to give it, it wasn't good. Uh, but the Patriots have a lot more games to go. So we're just going to try to discuss what exactly happened, what their outlook is, and, you know, just try to get perspective while trying to infuse some optimism wherever it is without, you know, trying to beat you over the head with a bunch of BS. Uh, Brian, we spoke to the coaches about an hour ago. Uh, the biggest news, I guess, really season long, you know, Mac Jones could have a decent game next week. It's not going to change the fact that the Pats lost Matt Judon and Christian Gonzalez for the foreseeable future. Gonzalez, uh, shoulder injury. Matt Judon's probably going to have to get surgery for a torn bicep. What did you think about what Gerard Mayo had to say about that situation and the potential that we'll be seeing more of a different rookie defender uh, in the Patriots front? Yeah, it was kind of a lot of just the Patriot, like next man up, right? Like we're confident in the guys. But I thought the big thing he said was Keon White's going to play. And that's... I don't want to say it's a good thing that Matt Judon got hurt because it's not, you know, he's an awesome player. Obviously he's an awesome guy to cover and you never root for injuries, but you're kind of at the point with this team right now where maybe you're looking ahead to next year after that loss and you want these young guys to play. And Keon White is not playing. He's played a third of the defensive snaps this year. He played nine or 10 snaps in the, in the Dallas game before garbage time and things got really out of control. So that's a guy you want to see on the field as much as possible, right? He's your second round mm-hmm. pick. Get him out there. And now that Judon is out, you have the path is there for him to play a whole bunch of snaps and see what you have there. So the fact that Gerard Mayo said he's going to play and is a good thing. Like if they activate Trey Flowers and play Trey Flowers more snaps or just stick Jelani Tavai there, who I like Jelani Tavai, but like, Let's get serious. Let's get Keon White out there as much as possible. And, and it also could open the door for Josh Uche to kind of take on a three-down role and, and just see what you have there, right? Big contract year. Do they want to pay him? A lot of that's probably going to come down to if they're comfortable with him defending the run because he's been a situational guy throughout his career here. So give him a look as a three-down player. Get Keon White out there. And that's kind of the positive outlook, I guess, if you want to say from Matt Judon getting hurt. But same type of thing they said with Christian Gonzalez, but that one just sucks. Like that one hurts so bad because again, you're in this kind of stage where you're just watching players and watching them develop. And Christian Gonzalez was like our savior. He was our one guy, our, our first round pick who was balling out, you know, Tyreek Hill shouting him out, the league's giving him awards and he, he goes and, and pops his shoulder out and, probably might be done for the year here it's looking like so that one was a real killer but if there's any positives to take away from those guys it's that we might see a little more key on white here 
Yeah, I was thinking about it. You know, Matt Judon said before the season started, he thinks that Josh Uche could be a three-down player. I hope he's right. Although, from my perspective, I think Keon White is your only true three-down outside linebacker. Yeah. You saw in college, on early downs, he was more of an outside linebacker type. Then they would kick him inside kind of for pass rushing situations. But it looks like that might be his extensive role, whereas most of the season he's been more of a Dietrich-wise kind of backup where he plays a lot as that kind of interior guy who can play the run but really gives you a boost in the pass rush department and can kick out wide in four down fronts. And now he's the only guy that you can really trust to defend the run and rush the passer, obviously, Anthony Jennings. Great run defender. He's got some upside in terms of like slanting inside and on stunts as an interior pass rusher from the outside going in. But, you know, he's he's obviously no Matt Judon. He's yeah. not one of your better pass rushers. And then, like I said, with Josh Uche, we're just going to have to wait and see. But regarding Christian Gonzalez, how do you see them moving on and trying to not replace him? Because it's not often that a rookie walks onto your defense, Patriots defense no less, and is arguably your best player. So how do you think they go about at least trying to mitigate the damage and shuffle? Because it sounds like Gerard Mayo and the organization are pretty confident with the guys that they've got in the building. Well, it starts with getting John Jones back on the field, right? And I'd imagine he's close just because they haven't put him on IR yet. And he's met, like, this would be the last game he would have missed if he was on IR. So you hope he's close. And then, I mean, we know Marcus Jones won't be back anytime. Doesn't sound like Jack Jones. I know he's eligible to come back off IR, but that seems like a pretty significant hamstring injury that he suffered that probably looking like a mid-season return there. So... Your best bet is John Jones getting back, and then you're just back with Miles Bryant, Sean Wade. We saw them move Jalen Mills, you know, play him in the slot there when they kind of had to against Dallas. Even Marte Mapu was playing some like slot corner in that game. So if you get John Jones back, you're in better shape because I think Miles Bryant's played some pretty good football, and, and but you just don't want him against. Chris Olave this week and Devonte Adams next week, right? Like you want John Jones handling those situations. So that's their best bet going forward. And then hopefully down the line, they can get Jack Jones back and just move forward with that group. What did you think of the defensive performance overall in the game? Because I feel like they've gotten some criticism and that's fair. I thought the pursuit and the tackling were not up to snuff at times. There's the CD lamb touchdown catch where miles Bryant may not have been totally ready for the snap. But that's also just one where, yeah, like that play was specifically designed to get CeeDee Lamb isolated yeah. on somebody. It was just a good play call in the moment. But overall, how did you feel that the defense acquitted themselves against a pretty good Dallas defense where CeeDee Lamb didn't even crack 50 yards? Yeah. I mean, the, the missed tackles were the big thing, right? Like, I think it was 12 missed tackles. That's obviously you, you want improvement there. And But, I mean, they gave up. 24 points and only 17 I think it was only 17 or, or 14 when Gonzalez left and I know Bill said they had to switch their defensive game plan a lot and they sat in zone a lot more and that's when those missed tackles really come back to hurt you when you're sitting in that zone but I mean they, they, they struggled against the run again that was that was the big thing I think Dallas was you know four or five yards uh per carry and so I mean, they held up well. It wasn't perfect, but they got to stop the run and they got to tackle well. And those are going to be the two big things moving forward, I think, for that group. Especially against the Saints team where they're pretty good in the trenches and they're getting Alvin Kamara back. Yeah. That was one thing Gerard Mayo mentioned. And not only is he a threat running, he's also a threat catching the football. Uh, now, I guess we have to move on to offense at some point. I can be there on push all I want, but we should probably discuss it. Uh, start with the obvious, Mac Jones. 
we all know it wasn't a good performance. I'm not going to ask you how you felt about it <laughs> necessarily. I understand. But what is your level of concern with Mac Jones? Because, like, you sound like you feel like this may already be a lost season, may be very close. So how bad do you think the situation is with him? And do you think that he can get back on track where, okay, you know, he's he's trending up a bit after the first couple weeks of the season takes a step back in bad conditions in New York, and then obviously the bottom falls out in Dallas. I'm hoping that's going to be a career-worst performance for him, but do you think there's a realistic trajectory where he's not only as good as he was earlier in the season, but actually is better and can help elevate this offense? I mean, that's the big question, right? And it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back off of that because that was, as you said, worse career performance and just uncharacteristically bad from him in a decision-making sense, because that's usually his calling card, right? Like, he makes good decisions. He can keep this offense on schedule, you know, when they're moving well. And, I mean, those throws across the field. Like, he's standing on the literal numbers and throwing the ball. <laughs> I sent you the screenshot, like, and I'm sure you saw it on the film. He's on the numbers, and he throws across the field outside of the other numbers. Like, I don't even want Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen making that throw. Right. Certainly not Mac Jones. And... I thought Greg Olson had some good points. Like he completed the one to Bourne and maybe he was just thinking like, Oh, I, I can do this. Like I can keep throwing that. But yeah, that, that was really bad. And credit to Dan Quinn. I thought that he had a really good plan with that Cowboys mm -hmm. defense, which is, is very talented too. But yeah, it, it, it's all about how he bounces back now. And it, it there's still the bigger picture question of, of the weapons on this team and they have to, you know, he's not a toolsy passer, right? So you, you would mm. like to surround him with some top tier personnel and they just don't have that. So I don't know if the ship has sailed, like he's starting this week, he's their best option. Like this is a team that cut Bailey Zappi a month ago and, and said, if we lose him, we lose him. We're fine with that. So he's starting, he's their best option, but I, I just don't know how that's going to look. It's going to yeah. be interesting. And it's, I don't know if it's more or less frustrating that you can find nuggets of good. Like, oh, yeah. the first two passes he had under pressure, but once Demario Douglas and Mike Kosicki, beautiful. It's just once he got strip-sacked, it seemed like his clock was completely off. And then that all bets were off. He's trying to do too much. And then you look at the numbers on passes of 10-plus air yards. Now there's the one to Kendrick Bourne, which obviously you're looking at like, uh, don't do that. Yeah. Don't ever do that again in your entire life. <laughs> but at the same time, he completes his first deep pass since the first week of the season. And still in that intermediate range, he's fire. I looked at the numbers. Like right now, his short passing numbers after that game are shot. Like it's going to take weeks for him to climb out of how bad his drop was on short passes. Intermediate, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And it looks that way. It's not even like you look at the numbers. You say, oh, that's surprising. He's been money. So there are glimmers of, okay, there's some positivity and there's some good things to work with. But and, and just the decision-making was so bad. Like we said, we use the words uncharacteristic. Bill O'Brien used the word uncharacteristic. No one expected him to make the first mistake where he gets strip-sacked, much less compound it with constant mistakes after that. I think he had five turnover-worthy plays in the entire game, the most of his career. I think the high before that was like three. So you're hoping he moves on. But like you said, there's other – Big picture issues. What I'll start off with is the offensive line. 
Now, in both phases of the game, I thought they struggled. The run deep on um, the run game, I will say, Vidarian Lowe had some bad losses. Mike and Wenu, I think he's still working his way back. He had the really bad penalties. And there were a couple other plays where he didn't sustain as long as you'd expect. But I feel like a lot of that is the tight ends. Like, there were so many times where they either just don't make the block or they get pushed back into the back, and there's nowhere for these guys to go and the play's immediately blown up. And then you look at the pass rush. Obviously, Micah Parsons is a fantastic player. We knew he was going to cause problems. But then you also have defenders at Mac Jones' feet because they're not picking up stunts well enough to not keep guys off the ground. And then Mac panicking because he's got pressure from Vidarian Law on the right side. He can't step up. Do you see this offensive line potentially getting better down the stretch as health improves, maybe once <clears throat> Riley Reef gets back? Or do you think this is just a situation like last year where – really every week is going to be a grind and you're going to have to find some impossible way to be able to overcome something that just really no good offense can overcome, which is, again, a bad offensive line. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Yeah, I think this could be one of the areas for optimism because, like, they have good players up front, yeah. right? Like, I wasn't as down as Mike Unwinu as I think a lot of people were. I think he looks like a guy that missed all of training camp with an ankle injury, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. I think once he gets his condition, game conditioning up, he, he's going to be better. And then hopefully you get Cole Strange back and he looks like the first-round guard that you hoped he would look. But... I think once they get healthy and, and that content, continuity up front, which is the big thing that they always you know stress, like this could start looking better. But they still have to figure out that right tackle spot because that's a mess right now. Like I, I don't think it was Micah Parsons, but Vidarian Low back to back games where he hasn't looked very good. And I know they don't want to bump Mike Onwenu out to tackle but you might be at the point where you kind of have to. Because it, it, if you get Cole Strange at left guard, I thought Moffey looked better this week. You can play him at right guard. And if you have on Unwinu at right tackle, I think that's your best five. And, and that mm -hmm. could be let this offense take a step forward a little bit, right, with that offensive line, get Max more time, let that run game try to find some rhythm. And that's your real – I think that's your best chance going forward to find some success with that unit. 
What about the run game? What's the answer there? Because I feel like this also ties into the backs. Is it we've seen Ramondre Stevenson, like his yards after contact aren't very good. Ezekiel Elliott's numbers are pretty solid, although I think he benefits from the fact that they give him more toss plays where he's got like huge wide open lanes to work with. You don't really see a ton of those for Ramondre. Most of his stuff is inside. But how much of that do you think is the offensive line? And as I mentioned, the tight ends need to be better. And how much of that is maybe the running backs aren't capitalizing on opportunities? What do you see in there? And I think it's a combination of both. I mean, Ramondre looks like he just doesn't trust himself kind of right now, like with some of the vision, like he's dancing a lot in, in the backfield and probably has to do with some of the, like the poor offensive line play early in the year. So you hope that improves. I thought Zeke looks decent, as you mentioned, but yeah, I, I just like get under center and run the damn ball sometimes, right? Like just, Get Pharaoh Brown back there as a fullback. If you don't want to go out and sign a real fullback, keep him back there and just pound the football. And I know there's some schematic things that I think they could improve on with, with O'Brien. Like you saw Dallas kind of just, they were prepared for that kind of gap gap run scheme and took advantage of some things. But like you have third and one down at the goal line, like pound the, like put Zeke or Ramondre back there and pound the ball. Like fourth and one, like get this tush push out of there that, you obviously aren't good at it's not and, good. It's not good. on the football down. And I think if they start doing some of that, it, it will improve and get that O-line healthy will be a big step of that. But they, they need the run game, right? Like this is a team built running the ball and then hitting play action off of that. So that, that's got to improve if they want to even attempt to kind of turn this thing around here. And maybe get some RPOs involved yeah. as well, but yeah. like an actual threat of the pass because it seems like they're not running a ton of RPOs because you don't see a lot of the pass parts of the play. I don't know how it's being read. I don't know how it's being coached. But for some reason, there seems like there's advantageous plays where they could get the ball out easy for some quick yards because however the defense is playing it. But now they're running these RPOs, and it feels like sometimes, unless the defender is specifically covering a wide receiver or whoever is out there, it feels like there's not a ton of respect, and it's not creating the conflict that you're hoping to create where, okay, yeah. you got a guy who's going to be a tick behind. So definitely I, I would throw in also it feels like they need some level of misdirection or something yeah. else to complement uh, that run scheme. And then you also mentioned earlier the weapons and the playmakers and the receivers. What did you think about DeMario Douglas's role? Because I do think that he is starting to become more involved. We saw that he was the clear third receiver when they went with three receiver packages. Wasn't really a part of base personnel groupings, which I think could be a bit of a missed opportunity, especially considering I don't think Juju gives you so much as a run blocker, at least what he's put on tape, that you're saying, yes, like he needs to be on the field in these personnel packages. I just don't see that. Um, so, yeah, do you think that DeMario – is starting to trend in a good direction, or do you think there's still something that could be done to get him more involved? I mean, he could play more. Like, I think he should just <laughs> like besides Ty Montgomery, who is another guy I think should be playing more. Like, Demario Douglas yes. was the least uh, least amount of snaps out of any offensive skill position player, and I know. Uh, I think you were on it on Twitter that he started to kind of take some of those juju snaps in those three wide receiver sets, but. Like, you don't have anyone else who's got juice out there or any yards after the catch ability. Like, I, I would get him out there as much as possible. Taekwon will be interesting, too, his kind of role, if he comes back here soon where it's looking like that might happen because they need someone who can also get downfield, separate, kind of open things up. But 
I'm all in on Demario Douglas. It's kind of like Keon White at this point. Like, play the kids, play the rookies, see what you have there. And I think everything we've seen from Douglas outside of that fumble, obviously, has been encouraging. So I'm all in on on keep increasing that role and giving him the ball. You busy this fall to cook, but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. Adjust your stride this autumn without missing a step. Choose from 34 plus weekly flavor packed, fresh, never frozen meals ready to eat in two minutes. Level up with gourmet plus options, prepared perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Too busy running around during the day to think about lunch? Keep your energy up with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. Looking for calorie conscious options during the busy season? Try delicious, dietitian approved, calorie smart meals with around or less than 500 calories per serving. Need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best as you tackle a busy autumn? Try Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 plus add-ons, including breakfast items like our delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Or for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. We offset 100% of our delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for our production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in our meals. This October, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash patsdaily50 and use code patsdaily50 to get 50% off. That's code PatsDaily50 at factormeals.com slash PatsDaily50 to get 50% off. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And there's going to be growing pains. Like, I feel yeah. that DeMario was showing you both why he sh- the, the big catch and run was a perfect example of why you want to see more and why but it's understandable runs, that you're probably not. But he runs a Exactly, because it looked like they were trying to run a mesh, where the idea is basically to create some type of high-low where you're picking off a defender. The way the Cowboys had it defended, they had man backside, but because there was a bunch, they basically played zone where they were passing things off. DeMario, there's a defender in the middle of the field, and instead of going over him where you had Devontae Parker coming underneath and you create a conflict, he goes underneath where even if he wasn't contacted, I think they would have been a little too close for comfort. And then beyond that, he gets jammed into Parker and it throws off the play. Mac finds an escape hatch and throws it downfield. But it's one of those where it's like, all right, like he made a mistake, obviously made a huge play off of it. 
but you can see where there's still some growing pains. Saw it against the Eagles where Ross Douglas told us the play that almost got picked off where he drifts up field. He said that one needed to be worked on. I think there was another one where he broke it off incorrectly. So there's going to be those growing pains. How many are willing to put up with in the course of a game? You know, we'll see. But I agree. There has to be some effort, whether it's screens, underneath throws, you know, handoffs, like some way to get him more get involved. Those, get him in those people. RPOs. Like, get yeah. him in those – like – and back to that point, like, I, I agree with you. Like, those are – how they're running those are kind of weird. And that might be, like, a, a coaching thing where they're just getting up to the line and kind of making a, a pre-snap decision of, like, we're just going to mm-hmm. hand this off. But, I, I mean, we saw those work so well in, in training camp and the preseason. Like, I always just think of that, that that one against the Packers, you know, that little yeah. KB. Like, that. that's what we need. That's what we want to do here with those RPOs. And they – those haven't been great. So, yeah, I, I'm all in on Douglas, even with the growing pains. Kind of like you saw Marte Mapu, like, last last week play a career high in snaps. There was some some down things. Like, thought he uh, – that first drive, I thought he was kind of lost his zone to Michael Gallup. He had that one play where it looked like he ran on the field late. Might have been a substitution thing. But, but just play these guys at this point. Like, live through these growing pains with all of them. Like, Douglas, Keon White. Marte Mapu and just see what you have going forward. And it's funny because Marte Mapu is the same thing where there's going to be growing pains, but there's also good because both of those plays where he screwed up, the first one where it was the uh, he dropped the coverage and it was a scramble play, he jammed CD Lamb so hard that it took away Dak's first yeah. read. And then on the play where he had to run onto the field, he sprints, he still gets in guy. position and does the exact same thing. So it's like they're so talented that it's all right. Like I'll put up with him screwing up every once in a while, as long as it's not, you know, a game deciding play. You're not turning the ball over, allowing points. Like those are the things you don't want to see, but still there's so much positives and there's such dynamic athletes. You know, there's some level of, okay, I don't really mind. Like give me enough that I at least feel that there is an effort to use these guys when you need some extra juice. But at the same time, I feel like the veterans, like they're getting off a little bit easy here. And I think part of that is use. Like, Devontae Parker got his first catch on a back shoulder throw all season. And I genuinely was of the mindset recently that he just isn't healthy enough. I know he's not on the injury report anymore, but he was dealing with, I think it was, what was it, an ankle or a knee? It was some it was lower body injury. He, he, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't look like he has the same juice he did maybe in training camp. Because yeah. there were times, and I wasn't in Green Bay, but from, like, what you said and what some of the reporters said in that Green Bay, like, uh, joint practices like he was beating guys vertically down the field mm-hmm. right. and, and we saw some of that in camp and, and he just doesn't look like he has that same type of juice right now so maybe that is the knee that kind of cost him uh, the first game he only missed one game i think yeah the first game yeah. of the season i know he's not on the injury report but maybe yeah maybe there's something there with him too Yeah, so I think that's been a big part of why the offense has been so lethargic is that we went into the season expecting, okay, like the Green Bay practice, it was slow. Like the offense wasn't really putting a lot of big drives together. It was dink, dunk. And the only thing that injected life was that deep shot down the sideline to Parker. Like everybody went nuts. It cleared the sideline. And that was what you're thinking, okay, if this is a dink and dunk offense, 
at least he can take advantage of those one-on-one matchups outside. You haven't seen that. And then Kendrick Bourne, like he has a catchy game where he shows, I think he could be more involved in terms of underneath and after the catch. I think he's another pretty dynamic guy in space because he's good at fighting through tackles. You see he drags guys pretty often when he gets those opportunities. But I think because he's such a great blocker, they more use him in that capacity, especially on screens. Like he's he's popped a lot of plays. I understand why. But he's also your most dynamic player. And I'd rather have Juju blocking for KB than KB blocking for Juju in those situations. So you have that. You have, I would say, Juju. I don't know what's up with that. I think that's another situation where maybe just his knee took a lot of the juice out of this game. I think he had just enough to be a guy that like clearly could be a thousand yard receiver for the chiefs. He was their best wide receiver. So I don't think it was crazy going into this season and expecting that he was at least going to be a reliable chain mover or something like that. But we've seen even in that role, he hasn't been particularly impressive. So what do you think from the veteran wide receivers is, do you think they could maybe step up more? Is it a use thing? Are they just not having the juice that you expected? Like what's going on there? Cause I'd like to see more pop, but you expect your veterans to at least add some kind of stabilizing presence. Yeah. Juju. I, I think I'm just kind of done with that experiment. I gave my formal apology to Jacoby Myers on Pat's beat <laughs> last night. Um, Cause that was a mistake looking back at that. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, Parker and Bourne, I thought there were some opportunities for them uh, against Dallas. Like Parker had those two or three, like just short drags where he has a step yeah. and Mac just wasn't seeing the field well, as we said, and he was late or he missed them. Bourne had some opportunities like on the, I think it was the the pick six, like he he's open, right? Like he has got a one-on-one on on like the, the left side he's all alone one-on-one and he runs that just that little like uh, i think it was a comeback or something and if mac just stands in and hits him he, he's open but mac bails on the pocket and then comes back to him way too late obviously but yeah, yeah I, I think those guys have had some opportunities in that game and like those it, the, those are the veterans i want to play like parker Parker and Thornton should be your ex going forward, and then it should be Bourne and, and Pop Douglas, and, and those should be the four receivers you're kind of rolling with because that gives you the most juice, the most explosiveness out there, and, and Parker has that different type of body type that you know they, they, they like in the X there. So I think those are your four four guys going forward. No, Kayshawn Booty? Are we uh, are we I, are we shelving him for the rest of the season? I would play him like I, I, if they want to act. Like activate him and, and get him in that mix. Like sure, like another rookie. Just see what you have. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this really bottoms out. If they're looking to like trade Kendrick Bourne at the deadline, or if a team would even bite on on Juju at this point. Probably not. But if you want to, if this, if you're like one and five, two and six. I don't know what week the trade deadline is. Like if you can get a pick for one of those guys, then sure, do it and play Kayshawn Booty and see what you have there. Why not? Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, 
It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Last one, move to the tight ends. I actually liked how they were used in this game. I had an issue with the lack of downfield targets for those guys. Now, we've seen Hunter Henry every once in a while gets his little catch over the middle, but I feel like he's too reliable and has too much chemistry with Mac to be a guy who isn't consistently one of your most targeted players. He may not be exciting, you know, not the dynamic guy he was before he had to deal with all the injuries, but still, when Mac throws in the ball, more often than not, something very good is happening. You also saw Mike Kosicki. There were a lot of plays where they would motion him in, kind of like what they used to do with Edelman, and have him run the crossing routes where, you know, he was actually – I thought he was getting a decent amount of separation against defensive back types on top of the fact that he's got the great catch radius, only had the one grab. But it showed, I think, what the idea was, where those guys are so big, it gives you a box-out target, knowing that the Cowboys are a team that's going to like to play a lot of man coverage. And then, obviously, Farrell Brown. They used a lot of 13 personnel. Like, he's, his role is increased, and I think that's fair given what he gives as a run blocker. But at the same time, he hasn't been perfect as a run blocker. And realistically, he has a long touchdown against the Jets, obviously. But that was a blown coverage, if we're being totally honest about it. And he doesn't give you much in terms of receiving ability to the point where you're saying this three tight end set – it's going to get people problems because even Gasicki, when he's the Z receiver and is essentially acting like a Jacoby Myers, Julian Edelman type, whether it's his body type, I don't think it's effort at this point in his career. I think he really is trying. I, I was talking to Andrew Callahan last night. He said the same thing where earlier in Gasicki's career, he didn't really, he wasn't that guy. He didn't want to block, but now it really just seems like something he's not good at. So in terms of their use in the game, do you think that O'Brien had a good plan for those guys? And moving forward, what do you think it should be? Like, do you want to see more of some guys, less of some guys? What's your take on that? Yeah, I thought it was a good plan against Dallas, try to get those guys more involved. Um, the Down 31-3 or 38-3 and running out the 13 personnel package, that was just like, like what are we actually doing here? That was insane to run that out at that time. I know you're not going to win the game, obviously, but come on. Like, what, what is going on? But, um, yeah, Hunter Henry was, was probably their best offensive player that game. He's just always reliable. I think he's probably a guy you're looking to extend at some point, his contract, because whether – you have Mac Jones next year or another rookie quarterback or, or whoever, you're probably going to want one of those guys to have a reliable option there. And Hunter Henry has proven to be that. And, and then I've been pretty impressed with Gesicki. I, I Like he doesn't get many opportunities. He's getting like two or three targets a game, but I think he gets open more than that shows. And again, it's like, when you have both of those guys on the field, you have to take a, a DeMario Douglas off and you're losing some juice there. So that's kind of the dilemma. But maybe if you try to get Gesicki a little more involved, because he, he looks open a good amount and looks like he has some success beating man coverage, which some of those receivers aren't doing. But maybe maybe some more of that going forward. But again, you know, you take Bourne or, or DeMario Douglas off the field. So that that's the dilemma they're fighting through right now, I'm sure. But yeah, Hunter Henry... Old reliable as usual. And with Farrell Brown, do you think his role as a blogger 
is enough to justify his increase in snaps. Because coming into this game, I really did think so. I thought he was more of a difference maker than anybody else in their tight end room. But then I'm also seeing, well, he did have some good plays. Like it was an up and down performance. I'm not trying to put in, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to make Farrell Brown a goat or the bad guy here. But again, is he consistent enough and impactful enough as a run blocker to say, okay, 13 personnel should be one of their top three groupings and, you know, one they're using 10 plus times a game? No, I don't think so. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that big of into the 13 personnel. Like if you want to have him as a fullback or you want to have him as one of your two tight ends and 12 personnel, like fine. Cause he's obviously like that fullback stuff I, I like, and he's obviously an upgrade over say Gesicki in those 12 personnel looks, but like I, I, they're just the 13 personnel package is just, it's way too slow and it's way too just easy to cover. I feel like there's no reason Farrah Brown should be playing more snaps than Demario Douglas or Ty Montgomery at, at any really point this season. So I like him in some specific looks, but I don't think it justifies to be playing him. Like, what do you have? Thirty something snaps last week? Like that? So. That 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 can't happen. All right. I feel like we've covered everything that really needed to be covered. We're done. Bury this game. Quick preview of the Saints. I don't know how much you've dug into them, but just like generally knowing, you know, they got Carr, Alave, Kamara coming back. Good defense, not a great pass rush, which is one of the few good things for the Patriots going into this game is the Saints typically Cam Jordan's a good player, but they're not a team that generally brings the heat with their four-man rushes a lot. How good do you feel about the Patriots with the injuries on defense and with the offense really needing a bounce back game? Hosting the Saints, thankfully, you know, be nice to be in a dome again. <laughs> but realistically, you're gonna be back in Foxborough. Would it be nice to be in a dome again? I don't know. I guess not, honestly. It's just maybe giving a little PTSD. But how do you feel about the past chances right before we get out of here uh, on Sunday? Oh, man, I just – I don't know. Like, <laughs> you're kind of at the point where, like, these games are coin flips now, mm -hmm. right? But yeah. losing Matt Judon and losing Christian Gonzalez is tough because if you don't have John Jones in this game – and you're running Miles Bryan out there and Sean Wade against Chris Olave and Mike Thomas and Rashid Shahid. And they have like Juwan Johnson, I, I kind of like as a tight end. I don't know if he's healthy though. And they have Kamara back. Like that, that's going to be tough. And I know this Saints offense is looking like the Patriots. Like they're kind of in a rut right now. Like they're not scoring a lot of points. Uh, Derek Carr didn't look very healthy. It looked last week like he was throwing. Like Alvin Kamara had 13 catches for 33 yards. Like it was a lot of that dump off stuff. Gerard Mayo gave the tell this morning that Derek Carr makes all the throws. Right, like that's the first thing he said about him. So that's might tell you what they think about Derek Carr. But yeah, it, it's it's gonna be probably like a Jets game, like 15 10. Like that's what I'm kind of expecting here. Just two kind of like a slog like rock fight going on and if they can protect mac and maybe move the ball a little bit better they could get out of here with a win but at that point like what does a win against the saints do for this football team like just tough situation to be in honestly I think they need all the ones they can get, man. I really do feel like the next two weeks because then they're about to play Miami and uh the Bills in yeah. three the, and four weeks. The next two weeks decide the path this season's going on because if you're yeah. one and five maybe or, or two and four going into a back-to-back -back against buffalo and miami like all right now we're in maybe top six seven pick talk where if you're somehow get to three and three 
and maybe split with Buffalo and Miami and you're four and four, then maybe you could somehow pull this out and squeak into the playoffs with some help, which I don't even think that's in the picture kind of here. But yeah, the next two weeks will be very telling on the outlook of the season. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots, the story for the past few years has been they beat up on bad teams. Now, I don't call the Saints a bad team because they do have a good defense. But typically, you know, they are at least very competitive and do a good job against those teams. And then they're competitive but don't win against the good teams. So you're hoping that their luck or really not even their luck, their execution is better against those good teams and that they can at least be a team that can capitalize with some of the more softball opponents on their schedule. Uh, Brian, Thank you, buddy. I needed this. You certainly helped me. I feel a little bit better after talking to you, although I will feel much better when I see an improved product on the field. Uh, but for now, I'm sure this audience is very familiar with you. But just in case somebody snuck in who isn't familiar, let everybody know where they can find you and where your fantastic work will be this week. Yeah, you can go follow me on Twitter at I am Brian Hines. And then, of course, all the wonderful writing over on patspulpit.com. And... Uh, right here on the CLNS channel, Pat's Beat, Monday, Thursdays with, with Barth. So if you want to listen into those, I'm sure a lot of people here already do, but that is where you can check me out. Thank you, brother. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, enjoy the rest of your days as much as you possibly can. It's a fresh week. It's a new week. We're turning the page, everybody. Let's get some optimism in the building. Uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And we will see you next time. Peace.